What is good, everybody? Welcome to the Crossover Podcast here on the Gold Standard Podcast Network. If you are new to the show, this is where we go across the aisle, behind enemy lines, whatever phrase you want to use, and we talk to someone who knows the 49ers opponent for the week inside and out. This week, I am very, very, well, you know what? I have mixed feelings, I'm going to be honest, because I'm here with Steve Rabel, who is the voice of the Seahawks, and I got to tell you, Steve, your voice has haunted my nightmares for the past 10, 15 years as the Seahawks have usually stomped my 49ers. Good. <laughs> I hope you never sleep well again for the rest of your life, Rob. No, uh, thank. I think that's a compliment. Um, and, and I would love for it to continue to haunt. Uh, unfortunately, uh, going back to last season, uh, it, it it hasn't gone our way, and so far this year it hasn't gone our way either when it comes to the to the Niners. So uh, with luck uh, and 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 just better execution, uh, we'll we'll have a different outcome on uh, Sunday uh, in the Bay Area. I want to ask you about that, and we're going to get to it. But before I do, I do have to ask you just when that Seahawks Niners rivalry was really you know at its heart at its peak. Do you have a favorite moment from those games that you uh, that you can call up? Oh, sure. Sure. I, w- without question, uh, it was the uh, NFC Championship game here in Seattle uh, against your Niners, Harbaugh on the sidelines, uh, inter- pass tipped by Sherm in the end zone, intercepted by Malcolm Smith. Uh, that sends us to the Super Bowl. Without question, the, the biggest uh, you know 49er uh, victory for us. Um, there, there have been other big plays. I remember Cam Chancellor just laying out. Um, Vernon. Vernon, yes. Uh, Vern Davis and and I mean just clobbering him today that would be a penalty I think even then it was a penalty although it was it was clearly uh, a good hit uh, and and uh, it it didn't happen to go uh, his way but yeah those those have been some some terrific games uh, I remember Sherm and Russ eating turkey on the logo uh, in uh, at the stadium and that didn't go over well with the 49ers or their fans so yeah there there have been a lot of moments like that. Is Sherm, how does Seattle feel about Sherm now? Because I see him on the podcast and he's wearing 49er hats. It, you know, it's he's sort of got a complicated history. He does, but he has also been here um, in Seattle a lot. Um, I think he still makes his home here, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. And um, he, he get he, he's, his relationship with Pete and the front office has, has, you know, kind of all those things get patched up. It's one of the things about Pete that's pretty remarkable is that guys who leave here, you know, under iffy kind of circumstances, in other words, either they were let go or they were forced to retire because of injury or or, or something, uh, you know, every player thinks they can play long past their due date. And, um, but I think Sherman and Pete certainly have patched all that up. And, uh, and he's, you know, I think he's doing a great job in the pre and post game shows for Amazon. And uh, uh, he's even been around here. I think he's actually been around and talked to some of our DBs, the young guys on kind of how to play certain situations. So I'm, I'm all for sure. Well, I can't say I support that in any way. Um, <laughs> but you mentioned the Turkey on the field, obviously the Niners got revenge beating the Seahawks yeah. on Thanksgiving. The last four times these teams have played, the Niners have outscored Seattle 120 to 54. What is the biggest reason for that in your mind? Thanks for the reminder. Um, I'm going to blame it on something. I'll blame it on me because uh, I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to blame it on the on the team and the players. Uh, here's. I'll, I'll let you in. I know John Lynch 
pretty well when going back to his broadcast days. Mm-hmm. When they were up here a few weeks ago, uh, I went across the field during pregame and, um, you know, said hi to John and because and, we hadn't seen each other for a couple of years again because of COVID and things like that. And we had a chance to talk. And and I said, listen, I have two questions for you. A, when are you going to stop getting so many really good players? And B, when are you going to quit this job and come back to the broadcast booth so we don't have to deal with you anymore in this division? And he kind of laughed at both of them. I, I think the, the big reason why you guys have beaten us four straight is because, quite simply, you have a terrific football team. It's well coached. It's, uh, it's well put together by John. Um, Shanahan is, is an extraordinary coach and mind and understanding. It's funny. We were in uh, Dallas last Thursday for that Thursday night game. We played way better than we did against you guys on Thanksgiving day and still came out on the short end a little bit, but the offense really took off, played much better than we have of late. And I, I thought when I watched that game and I was thinking about it on the flight back, talking to my broadcast partner, Dave Wyman. And I said, you know what the difference between those two teams we've just played? I said, the Cowboys are, they're a good solid team, no question. But the 49ers are so precise. Their precision offensively, running plays, having receivers where they're supposed to be, having blocks exactly when they're supposed to happen on defense, when, when it calls for a stunt, the guys do exactly what they're supposed to do, and if somebody either comes free or is less impeded to the quarterback for a sack, uh, I say it's just the precision with which they play. You've got young players there in, in in a number of positions, but you've also got a lot of veterans who really understand. And then I think you have two or three of the top three players in their positions in all of football. That's a good way to, to win as well. So uh, you you just got a terrific team, and and uh, I hope I can continue to broadcast long enough that I can see most of those guys retire, and we can get all some new guys. See, you were being really nice right up until the end there. You just had to get that little jab in there. Um, Geno Smith, has there been a big difference in his play to you this season as compared to last season, or do you think he's been pretty much the same player? I think there have been times when he's been the same player. I think last year was one of those moments for any player that you're looking at whatever your future might or might not be and, and just say, listen, I, I, I'm, I know what I need to do. The coaches have coached me up and prepared me, and now I'm just going to go out there and I'm going to throw caution to the wind, and I'm going to do what I know I can physically do, and that is throw the ball well, uh, throw it deep, put it on the money, don't make stupid mistakes, don't turn the ball over. And and I think he did all those things last year. There have been times this year when he's made some of those mistakes. There was a stretch there where he had like uh, two interceptions a game for like three straight games or something. I, I don't even remember the number. Really ungeno like And then when he came out of that stretch a little bit, I think he he held back. I think he was waiting a little too long. We had a number of passes knocked down, certainly by you guys. Tight coverage, yes, but we had defensive backs who literally jumped routes, and the ball was a little late getting there. And I think part of that was because Gino was thinking, I need to make sure this guy's open before I throw the ball. I don't want to throw another interception. We go to Dallas, right back to where we were. I'm going to let this baby fly. And he spun it deep. He spun it uh, inside, low, where only his guys could get it. 
I, I think that Gino is, is, is Gino and he's not playing to where he certainly believes he should be playing uh, up to that level, but uh, he's, he's doing well enough in most cases for us to win. But well, we got to have other people step up too. Our defense has given up way too many points, and that was the issue against the Cowboys. And I was kind of surprised about that, especially I felt like going into the year, I, I heard a lot of good things and a lot of momentum about the Seahawks draft <laughs> class and all the young players that they were developing there. And all I kept thinking was, oh, here we go. Pete yeah. Carroll with a young defense filled with, you know, kind of underdog players. Are we going to see this sort of revival all over again? Yeah. And, and we all thought the same thing. Um, and we're still hoping for that, um, that we can, you know, finally kind of get on the same page. Uh, a, a little bit of it had to do with injuries early in the season. Witherspoon didn't play the first game. Reek Woolen was just getting over knee surgery that he had back in the spring. So he wasn't quite up to speed. And yet we start the season at five and two and made big plays, beat Detroit in Detroit, second game of the season, after we got shellacked by the Rams in the second half here in the opener, which kind of surprised everybody. So we had moments where we played well, but we have, uh, I, I don't remember a Seahawks team that has missed as many tackles. Uh, we've missed a ton of tackles. Um, we, we have gotten ourselves out of position, especially in plays in the middle of the field. You guys took advantage of it. Uh, teams kind of continue to do that, take advantage of where some of our weaknesses might be and getting back into coverage. We've been up to that point, uh, especially up to playing you guys, pretty good against the run. And then, of course, Christian just kills us. Um, so, But he kills everybody. So, yeah. um, it, you know, it's not just our defense. Again, it's also playing really good football teams, and that's that's – hurt us a little bit because not only have teams that we've been playing of late been really good on defense, but in your case, 49ers, uh, as good as there is right now playing uh, on offense. A lot of Eagles fans this week have been complaining about how the Eagles, you know, had this stretch in their schedule, Chiefs, Bills, now they're playing the Niners. Seahawks are in a kind of a tough stretch of their own. Oh, yeah. Rams, see, uh, excuse me, Rams, Niners, Cowboys, Niners again, Eagles. This has been sort of the murderer's row part of the Seahawks schedule. Yeah, it's it's definitely been a gauntlet. And uh, it, what really got us off to a, a bad start in this stretch was losing that really close game in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. We should have won that football game, no question about it. Uh, and we didn't. And because of that, we just couldn't get the offense going. We always have trouble with the Rams. As you know, when you play uh, division games, throw out all the stats, all bets are off because we know each other. We know what tendencies are. We, ha we have a pretty good sense for personnel. And so uh, those games, you know, in my estimation, either team can win those games. Now, again, the Niners are such a good football team that they kind of they kind of go beyond that that sort of thinking but we should have won the rams game but losing that one kind of gets you off on the wrong foot in this stretch uh and then you get clobbered on thanksgiving day in front of a national audience and you just don't do anything right i mean nothing right on on offense defense uh kicking team kicking game uh, then you come back the following thursday and holy smokes offense what scores 35 points uh, and and things are looking up, and the defense can't get off the field. Uh, we we just can't stop the Cowboys when we absolutely need to stop. And we miss three fourth down and shorts that any one of those 
could have meant the difference in winning that football game. So you see how how just a few plays make a big difference when you're playing a really good football team. Now we come back and play you guys again, and then we have Philadelphia on Monday night. I don't know that anybody would have thought Philadelphia might be, you know, uh, an easier game to perhaps win, but they've got some guys banged up. They've got to come back across country for a Monday night game. So uh, not that anybody's looking past the Niners, but I'm just saying this this kind of gauntlet that we have is really difficult and if you can't if you can't win one of these next two then you better you have to win the next three to even have a hope of being in that playoff chase i agree with you although i do think that maybe the niners will be a little spent a lot went into this eagles game debo samuel talked about it everybody knew that this was sort of their revenge for the nfc championship game so maybe that you know maybe you don't get the same type of effort this week if Seattle is going to win, what is their path to victory? Well, first of all, we, we have got to shore up the defense. We can't make the mistakes that we've been making. Uh, we, we, you know, give up explosive plays. I watched the game against the Eagles the other night. If, if Debo Samuel, uh, you know, turns it loose like he did against the Eagles, you know, taking a, what, a, a six-yard crossing route or slant route and going 70-plus yards, if we can't make a play on that, uh, better than the Eagles did, then we're going to get hammered because, the, you know, it, it, that's just the nature of the game. You cannot let teams just get out there and run away from you. So defensively, we've got to try. I, I never say the word shutdown when it comes to a guy like Christian McCaffrey because I don't know that anybody shuts him down. But you've got to at least slow him down a little bit. You've got to, uh, you know, if he if he catches the ball out of the backfield – then you have to get a body to him and you've got to wrap him up. He is one of those backs that always is falling forward. He's yes. always picking up positive yards. I don't think I've ever seen him get knocked backwards on his butt. And, and that's, that's a, that's a tough thing for a defense when a guy is, is that good. And then you've got such a, we talked about the precision passing game and so many targets, so many players. So defensively, we're just going to have to be lights out. Um, and even at that, you know, if you can hold the Niners to like 24, 28 points, maybe if we can get our offense going like it did in Dallas, but we're going to have to protect Geno. We didn't do a good enough job of that. We're going to have to catch the ball. We've had drops uh, and Geno's going to have to let the ball fly. We're going to have to get the ball out quickly. You guys really played sticky with the cornerbacks in that first game on, uh, on Thanksgiving night. And we just had no, Geno had to hold the ball because he had nobody open. He was yeah. waiting for somebody to get open. That has got to change. We obviously have to run the ball better. Uh, so there are so many things that we have to do better than we did that first week to, to hope to win this football game. Before I let you go, is there one player that maybe Niners fans are not necessarily thinking of top of mind that you think could have a big impact on Sunday? Oh, that's a, that's a good question. Um, if, if Ken Walker, the third is back, I don't know that he's going to be. In fact, my own opinion, I would tend to doubt it, but I haven't been over to the practice facility yet this week, so we get our first look tomorrow. Uh, But if he's back, he can be a difference maker on offense because he's such a good running back. Uh, Zach Charbonnet has kind of picked up the slack for him, the rookie out of UCLA, but he's and and he's good. He's got quick feet and all those kinds of things. He's he's terrific. But the one-two punch of those guys is has been really effective here in the in the middle stages of the season for us. So uh, if he can be back, that will really help us a lot. Uh, the other guy, um, 
that I would say a lot of people have been overlooking this in this entire season. And I'm still not sure why is Tyler Lockett. I mean, Tyler is, you know, he's not a new guy. People know the name, but he just sort of gets overlooked when you have DK Metcalf, you know, scoring three touchdowns against the Cowboys and just having a great night. And when uh, you have Jackson Smith and Jigba as your one of your first round draft choices this year, as good a player as he has been and is getting better every week, Tyler just sort of gets lost in the shuffle. He's been dealing with a little bit of an injury, as has DK, almost all season long. So they haven't been able to practice as hard or as much as they would like to. But he's the kind of guy who can turn a game around with a big catch on the sidelines, in the back corner of the end zone. And I love I love Tyler. He's the ultimate competitor. So I would love to see him really, you know, get off the chain and have a big game today or a big game uh, in, a, in a few days. He's one of those guys when he's on your team, you absolutely love him. And when you're oh. playing against him, he just frustrates you to no end. Yeah, exactly. And he and, and he's 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 just such a quality person. I think I think that's one of the things I really appreciate about him the most. He's kind of continued this this great tradition of starting back when I played with Largent uh, of just really, really solid people at that position. And you love to watch him play. And as a receiver, I love to watch a guy work his craft. Uh, what Doug Baldwin did when he was with us and and of course Steve back in the day and now what Tyler can do it's it's just it's great fun for me Steve Largent one of the all-time underrated even Hall of Famers he's an underrated player I mean he's not as good as another number 80 that I know of but he was still really good (laughs) yeah that that other number 80 came along and, and broke all those records but it's hard for people to remember that Steve Largent held all of the notable receiving records when he retired um 100 touchdown receptions that had been standing since don hudson played for the packers back in the early 50s i mean it was the kind of record that that a lot of people didn't think would be broken and of course with the advent of much more um, wide open offenses that that changed but steve just continued to make plays i think he caught a pass if I'm not mistaken, and I saw this statistic recently, I think he caught a pass in like 177 straight games. So not only did he have great hands, great concentration, he was a the consummate route runner, but he was durable. He was tough because they would knock the living daylights out of him. And he'd get himself up off the ground, dust himself off, come back to the huddle and play the next play. Uh, he, he just a remarkable guy. And those hits were a little different than the big time hits we see today, too. Uh-oh. They were, yeah. You could get away with stuff back in the day that you can't get away with. A lot of headshots um, that, that uh, well, I, I got knocked out in Oakland by Jack Tatum, knocked unconscious because you could, in those days, come through with a forearm. Forearm. I took it right to, the, right to the side of the head. And the next thing I know, I'm on the sidelines uh, answering telephones. So, uh, and, and Steve had a, a number of those when he got clobbered and, you know, he'd find a way to his feet and uh, shake it off. And there was no, there was no concussion protocol in those days. So uh, you just, you, if it, when they ask you what day it is, if you said the number three, they'd say, okay, go back in, you're fine. And that was that. Bill Curry, the old Packers center used to say the concussion test was they would take you back and whack you in the head. And if you were still okay, then they let you back in the game. Bill Curry is a good friend. Bill Curry uh, from Georgia Tech, where I went to school. And uh, a coach when I was playing and then 
coach. He coached at Georgia Tech for a short time, then Alabama, of course, and a great pro. Um, good friend, very, very funny man. And yeah, I thought I played in a tough era, but when he played in the days of Nitschke and and Butkus and all those guys, and and then I mean there were no rules. It was just you know, get out of the way or you'll get killed. Thunderdome for sure. Um, exactly. Steve, thank you so much for the time. You can hear Steve, the voice of the Seahawks radio network on Seattle Sports. Thank you. Terrible luck this weekend, but I appreciate the time. <laughs> all right, Rob. Thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks again to Steve Rabel. Man, how nice of a guy is he? Like, I wanted to dislike him, and I just couldn't. I wish we could have talked longer, frankly. He was awesome. I hope you enjoyed that, by the way. Please rate, review, and follow the Gold Standard 49ers Podcast Network. Like and subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. Just before we go, I want to remind everybody, we will be live after the game on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch for the Instant Reaction Podcast. Please, please, please join us. Good, bad, or ugly, it's always a fun time. We love your questions and your comments and all the interaction we get. So please remember, immediately following Seahawks, we will be live. Instant reaction podcast. Have a good weekend, everybody. I'm Rob Stats Guerrera. We'll talk soon.